you got a Bible, go ahead and open it up to Psalm 103, 103. Nope, temperature's 117. We'll get there. We should just do that next time. Whatever temperature the day is, we'll just go with that psalm for the call to worship. That's next year. Somebody remind me. Uh, psalm 103. Uh, last week we taught for a little while, uh, just the first five verses, and spent some time reading them and then breaking it down verse by verse. If you didn't get a chance to listen into that, that's online. And so the next few weeks are all going to build on each other a little bit. Uh, this week was supposed to be me and uh, Mike Zins preaching, but Mike pulled a fever two days ago, and he's like, if is allergy season, and I have allergies, and it feels like allergies, but... If it walks like a duck, quacks like a duck, and all those other things, you have to go get COVID testing. So that's what he's doing, uh, getting tested up so he won't be here tonight. But as I was thinking through, uh, he did a killer job preparing a sermon to teach, and it is wonderful. And he's like, you can just take my sermon. I was like, bro, we'll find a different way for you to preach it. Uh, And then just spend a while praying and asking the Spirit, all right, Spirit, what do you want us to talk about while we're together? Um, Psalm 103 is a lock, and we've spent a lot of time studying it, so I wanted it to be in here still. And we absolutely will be. But uh, what prompted what we're going to talk about tonight was after the sermon last week, uh, at the very last point, right before the call to worship, I told a story about how Caden, my uh, seven-year-old son, has been looking for cars nonstop while we drive. And so ever since he went to Barrett-Jackson, he's been loving looking at cars, especially uh, Camaros and Dodges. And he thinks that's just like one car. And then Dodge... Challenger or Charger, and we figured out, you can tell the difference, Challenger has two doors, just like it has two L's, and we're trying to explain that to him, but he still doesn't quite get it, but we try. Uh, But I made the point that we ought to be looking for God's blessing in our life, just like uh, Caden looks for cars and gets absolute incredible delight out of finding the cars that he's looking for on the road. And I thought that point was wonderful, uh, and you guys were nodding, so you loved it too. Um, And afterwards, a uh, young theologian, uh, Owen Robertson, came up. And so, uh, for those of you who don't know, he's eight. So there's nothing like getting rebuked by an eight-year-old at the end of stuff. Um, walks up, and he had, the, he had the look on, like, I want to talk to the pastor after. And if you've ever been a pastor or done this, just so you know, from this side, we can tell what's up. When somebody's walking like this towards you, you either said something that they really loved or something they really hated. Uh, and being as he was asleep for half the time, I didn't know what he was going to go with. So... Owen uh, comes up and he's like, all right, how are we supposed to look for blessings like we look for cars? I was like, what do you mean? And he's like, how are we supposed to do that? I look out my window and I see cars, but how do I look out the window and see God's blessing? I'm like, oh, dang, that's a really good question. And one I did not answer for you, Uh, but I just assumed that like, I don't know, you could make that leap. Uh, But what I realized is in failing to connect that last dot, I left at least one of you wondering like, all right, but how do I do that? Because each and every time that we gather, we absolutely and unapologetically uh, want to see us as a church, not just become nicer people. Like our goal in gathering together is not to have you hold doors open for elderly people, though that is fantastic to do. It's not just to clean up your vocabulary a little bit, drop a rating in your videos. It's not just to say, ah, oh, Missio could be a little bit nicer. That would be awesome. Let's aim for that. But we definitely do want to see this church become spirit-filled, healing presence in this world. We want to see the people of this church known for their radical love and the way they lay down their lives for their neighbors, not just open doors. 
but you're like, man, how do I begin to grow in that? And so, so like when we press in, right, we say, we want to see people saying like, come hell or high water, I am in for following Jesus. Jesus's love has radically wrecked my life in the best possible way. He's melted my heart. He's set me free. He's brought new life. He's taken dead things that were enslaved in sin and set them free. Like he's not just the center of history, but he's the center of my history. And we, and we want to see that take place. And I want to see us grow up as women, men, and children who have an ever-growing relationship with that God. But it's easy to ask, awesome, but how? Like, what can we do to make that happen? I grew up... Uh, Surfing was one of my favorite pastimes growing up. And so I remember when I was 18, I just graduated high school. I got to go on a trip to Hawaii with my dad and my two brothers. Uh, my one brother was probably like eight or nine, so the age my kids are now. And for a lot of the trip, he was just left on the beach while we went out surfing. So I regret that, look back and say, that was probably pretty rough on Daniel. But the rest of us had a killer trip. And so we would go out to breaks, but in Hawaii, the waves don't always break right on the coast. Sometimes they break really far out. Like I'm talking like a mile out. So if you see white water, they tell you there's waves. You don't have to like, how big is it? If you see it, it's big enough, like anything at all on the horizon. And so I remember being uh, younger and when I was in way better shape, but looking out saying like, that's a really long way I have to go. How in the world am I gonna paddle all the way out there only to have my dad, who had been surfing for a lot more years, say, well, you don't, I mean, you can do that. Or uh, there's a channel with a current that just kind of, you paddle some, but a majority of the work's done actually by the current. Like you work with the current and it pulls you out there and then um, your problem's getting back in, but you don't worry about that at this point. And so I learned that you can work with what's going on already and then you're able to uh, experience results far beyond what I could ever do in my own strength. And so when it comes to us following God, when we're learning to grow in our relationship with God, a lot of the work that we do is to say, how do we get in the current where he's already working and let him do most of the work? But yes, we still, we still work with God in what he's doing. I think some of us were raised maybe in environments that said, hey, it's all about grace. Jesus does it all, which when it comes to our salvation and our rescue is absolutely true. But as you grow as a follower of Jesus, uh, you learn to flex your grace-filled muscles and do some of the work along with what the Spirit's already doing in your life. And it, and it takes some of that effort for us. And so what are some of the things that we can do in growing to be people who are grateful and are able to see the blessing of God in our life? Uh, last point is by way of intro is, uh, so this came up on my news feed the other day. Um, masterclass, so you guys know the masterclasses? Do you guys are in the algorithm that's asking if you wanna learn more about different random stuff? because it's COVID and obviously you have more time to spend like a hundred and some bucks to learn how to do things because then you'll cook like Gordon Ramsay or whatever. Uh, but this one popped up and it was the masterclass, learn to skate with Tony Hawk, which uh, would be pretty stinking amazing, right? So the, the, the idea is that you download these videos, you watch them for however long and Tony Hawk teaches you how to skate. Now that'd be amazing like if that worked that way, you know what I'm saying? How many of you ever stood on a skateboard? How many of you think that watching Tony Hawk skate or listening to him describe how to skate is actually going to be what enables you to skate? All the observation in the, if that was true, like we'd all know how to skate because we all watched him in the X Games or played Tony Hawk Pro Skater, right? It, like, I love that game because all you did was hit buttons and he did stuff. Like, that was amazing. But there's a big difference next, uh, between observation and participation, 
So it's very easy as we do these things, even for me to talk about, this is what it looks like for us to enter into that current and go with the grace of what God's doing in our life and pay attention and be able to enjoy that and describe that perfectly for you. And you observe it and you listen to it and maybe something stirs up inside of you. And there's also something different though when you enter into that and actually participate with what God's doing in your life and actually start to practice some of these things. And so what we're gonna do for the next 15 minutes, I'm gonna read the Psalm that we're in, Psalm 103. And I'm actually gonna ask you guys because uh, we're gonna go old school with it to just go ahead and stand up while I read this Psalm. And this will be our observation spot. So as you read, pay attention to the words, see if something jumps out at you. And then I wanna teach us how we can write our own Psalms to pay attention to what God's doing. And if you're, your theology like penalty flag just went up. Like, Wait a second, we're writing Psalms, we're writing scripture. I did not say writing scripture. Psalms are a song, it's a reflection, it's an engagement with God through poetry uh, and reflection. And so we're gonna learn how to do that together. You don't get to write verses in the Bible, sorry. Um, but let's read. These are the words of David. He writes this. Praise the Lord, my soul, and all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagles. The Lord works righteousness and justice for the oppressed. He has made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious. He's slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve. How good a news is that? Nor repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are from the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we're formed. He remembers that we're dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it's gone. And its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him and his righteousness with their, children, with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven and his kingdom rules over all. Praise the Lord, you, his angels, you mighty ones who do his bidding, who obey his word. Praise the Lord, all his heavenly hosts, you, his servants who do his will. Praise the Lord, all his works everywhere in his dominion. Praise the Lord, my soul. You can go ahead and have a seat. Jesus, in these next few moments, would you speak to us? Would you encourage us with what's true, convict us where we're drifting from you? And give us wisdom to walk in your world. We love you. We're grateful for you. Meet with us now. Amen. Amen. The first thing you want to do if you're going to go ahead and write your psalm is to slow down. 
And you're like, wait a second, wait a second. Where, where's that in this verse? Are you going to already start off by just making stuff up? Uh, I don't know if you know this or not, but to actually take time to write things down takes a little bit of time. Uh, and to write a song that's going to be sung by millions of people for history probably took David a little while to pen. I think sometimes we have this idea in our brain that uh, uh, the Spirit just moved in people and they were struck with a thought and they went and wrote for like three seconds and then walked away and out popped these incredible psalms. Um, I bet the process looked a lot more like what we do when we're thinking, processing, meditating, chewing. He couldn't just whip open his laptop and start punching out verses. Uh, he had to figure out how to get the pen and paper right, get it written down, process through this. How do I make these things r- come together in couplets and form and fashion that's beautiful and actually the poetry that's being written? And so he slowed down to spend time with God, writing down his thoughts about God. He had to get away from some of the busyness that would come with, I don't know, ruling a country, with being king over a nation that other nations wanted to constantly conquer, of having to process through all the different places of political power that he was in and just be able to be present with God. And I know that's David and he's got a lot going on, but for us, we also engage regularly with all sorts of forces that want to keep us from just slowing down to be with God. And that might seem like that's just like, all right, well, that's a given. But let me ask this, even in this season where so much of our life has had things pulled out of it, are we slowing down just to be with our Savior and to speak to him and let him speak to us? We will never grow as a missional people of God sent out to the world if we're not spending time with God ourselves. If you say, I want to grow in how I trust and experience the presence of God, uh, can he speak through the storms? Without a doubt. Uh, But most often, we watch as he speaks, as we carve out time to spend time processing and thinking with him. And then you ask the question, all right, so, all right, I got the time carved out. I put my phone on, do not disturb. I'm sitting here and I want to engage with God. I want to be aware. I want to answer Owen's question. How do I pay attention to what God's doing in my life? I'm going to give us a few questions that we can ask as we spend that time with God to see if our hearts aren't moved towards worship and gratitude and thanksgiving and joy. Uh, The first one is, what am I seeing? So what am I seeing? David writes this down. And so just three different areas that are a little sub drop down for that. What am I seeing in myself? What am I seeing that God's doing in me? Uh, what am I seeing him doing around me? And what am I seeing him do through me? David writes this down and he's got these different drop down menus in this Psalm saying, bless the Lord of my soul, my inward being, praise his holy name. Like this is incredible. Look at all this stuff that God has done in me. He's rescued me from the pit. Oh yeah, I remember that. He's brought me up. He does these different things. And as you read through the Psalm, you realize he's remembering all these times that God was present in his life, bringing rescue and redemption And then he shifts to the community around him. And so you see after verse five, he starts to to move out towards the broader spectrum. God does justice for all the oppressed. And he made his works known through Moses, which is the nation of Israel when Moses was working. He's saying, look what God's doing in this community. Look what he's doing around us as his people that exist in his world. Look what he's doing around us. 
And then the end of the psalm, right, he comes in with this language of like, all right, everybody needs to join in and praise. And this chorus that's supposed to erupt as together, all God's messengers, all God's people, even God's work themselves, praise God for all that he's done. And so asking this question, what am I seeing God doing in me? What am I seeing him doing around me? What am I seeing him do through me? I want to give us a moment just to pause. If you have a phone, you're welcome to whip it out. Um, And if you have a pen and paper and that's better for you, you're welcome to use that as well. But would you just start to scratch down some of these answers? Actually practice this, right? This isn't just like, all right, so watch Tony Hawk talk about skating. You're going to take out your skateboard, put put a helmet on, throw some pads on, and start to roll down the ramp yourselves. But take a few moments. I'll give us just two. And ask the question, all right, God, let me take a deep breath. I'm already slowed down. What am I seeing you doing in me? What are you doing around me? When I ask these questions about myself, I was just processing through, all right, what am I seeing God do in me, through me, around me, watching these things? Uh, Some of the things that I've noticed of just him at work in me through even the season uh, that we're in right now is that there's been um, a flinch towards kindness with people. Uh, So my normal flinch in situations without Jesus is to be a little bit more critical than kind. Anybody else there with me? There's a lot of things that we could be critical about. But what I'm watching for myself during this season, when I just sat and asked, all right, God, where am I seeing you at work in my life? It was like the Spirit pulled that unique part of the fruit of the Spirit out and put it on display for me saying, hey, hey, I'm making you more kind. Think back to all the ways over the last few months you would normally flip towards hypercritic, being hypercritical of people. And instead, the actual thing that you felt was kindness to them and gentleness Um, And now there's a difference. I know when I have to pretend to be kind, but when I'm actually being critical, you know what I mean? Like that inside, I'm going to act kind, but I know what I want to do. I just have been alive long enough to know how to pretend. But there's a difference when, when the fruit overwhelming out of your heart is actually kindness and gentleness. And there's something beautiful about that. I've been watching over the last few months as my flinch has been towards prayer. Uh, and even today, uh, as I was driving in, I had it like, see, look, there it is again. Uh, my air conditioning, when I got into it, I was like, I'm going to pre-cool my car because it's like the flip of what I used to do when I lived on the East Coast where you have to go in and preheat your car and melt all the ice. This was I have to go in and pre-cool my car. So I went out and turned on the AC and then went inside for a solid 10 minutes. Um, wasn't burning fossil fuels, I promise you. It was using all the solar power of my truck. Uh, and then let it run for 10 minutes to cool off. And then went back out to my truck thinking it was all going to be cool when I jumped in and jumped into a face full of hot air. And I was like, that ain't right. So I turned the AC off because clearly that's it's like the old Nintendo trick, right? Just turn it off, blow in it, and then turn it back on and hope it works. Uh, and it didn't. And so then I'm like driving over. I'm like, oh, I am so glad I packed an extra t-shirt because this drive is going to have me sweat tea when I get there. And then I was forgot something. So I was pulling around in my thing. And I was like, man, I remember back when, like, I was a young guy trying to get money for a missions trip. I was $500 short to go, and somebody in the church came up and gave me one of those good old, like, Jesus handshakes where they shake your hand with money in it, and they had shaken my hand with, like, 500 bucks in a, in a check in their hand and, like, give me that good old, like, valet tip handshake, right? And the story that came to mind, I don't know why this came to mind, and what came to mind was, like, they said, well, we needed to fix our air conditioning in our vehicle, 
And so we had the money set aside, we had saved it, but then it just started working again. It's worked the last two weeks. And so we asked Jesus, who do you want us to bless with this money? And he said, you, so here you go. Here's the money that you can do whatever you want with it. Um, I haven't had time to save up for my air conditioning yet. So don't start asking me for my $500 that I was going to fix my AC. But I was like, why don't I just pray that Jesus fixes my AC, right? Like, that doesn't work, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, and so literally on the way over here, like, I'm like, all right, Jesus, God, I would rather use your $500 some other way. Can you just make this work? And then I turn it off, turn it back on. It's blasting cold air in my face, right? I don't know. What, I don't know. Jesus heals all your diseases, right? Was it magic? Was it just the right thing? I have no idea. All I know is like that flinch towards prayer is something that I'm really enjoying because it's not just that, but when a friend goes into the hospital, uh, it's not just like those things that are small where it's like, oh man, I forgot something. God, like I need your help. It's not those just prayers, but when you realize the depth and the magnitude of even some of the depths that we're in and finding a flinch towards, all right, God, I need you to move and rescue and finding little swells of faith coming with that that are just really exciting to see that I'm watching happen. Uh, when I look around us and I realize that there's many of us who are super confused with what our, history, with our future looks like, but what the flinch in your lives are to be like, man, I've seen God prove his faithfulness time and time again. I'm not gonna worry about this one. And that's what's coming out of your mouth. And I'm looking around watching as that trust in God emanates out of you and it encourages me. And then I walk through our city and I'm talking to people in Mesa who have heard about Missio, not because of any sermon I've taught or any killer thing that we do here on Sunday, but because people of Missio have literally scattered throughout this city and are engaged in meaningful ways with other people. And I'm watching as the spirit stirring in friends that I just meet because of the work that he's doing in some of your lives. And that's really exciting to see and causes my heart right to worship. And I get excited so often, though, we don't focus on those things. We don't come back to say, remember, soul, all these things that are true about what God's already done in me. He's doing in us, and he's doing through us. So that's the first thing. What am I seeing? The second thing that we can ask is, what am I struggling with? Because I don't know if you know this or not, but it's okay to struggle. It's okay to wrestle with things. It's okay to not feel like you completely understand what God's up to in this world. That's an all right thing. You're gonna have a lot of moments like that. And so as you're writing down your psalm and you're praying to God, not just to pretend like everything makes sense and everything's uh, good and there's a lot to celebrate, though there is, but to ask yourself, what are you struggling with? Where do I see that in the psalm? The fact that he's writing it and he's having to remind himself, say, hey, so remember all these things that are true. Why do we have to remember things? Because we forget. We had to bring it to mind actively, right? That's what we said, remember, is to bring it to mind actively because we're in moments where we struggle. I can't help but imagine that the whole reason he's writing this psalm is because he's in a situation that's calling him to question the very things he's writing about. Remember these things to be true because I'm struggling with some other areas. As I jotted this question down, I'll give you a second to answer in a minute, but what was I thinking through? Man, I was struggling and just kind of let the Spirit speak these things to me, right? I'm struggling to believe that this season of life that we're in right now is actually what's best for Missio. Like Jesus and I have had some conversations saying, are you serious? We're two months into plant, we're two years into planting this thing. And this is what you really think we need right now is to be scattered even more than we already are. Like, like we need our family members getting sick and having to go to the hospital right now. That's really what we need right now. And we need, you know, six months of this plus another however many. And I'm struggling to believe like that's really what's best for us right now. But 
God is always for our good and for his glory. And so this has to be part of what he's doing in us. But I'm struggling with it sometimes. You guys don't have to, but here's where I'm at. A feeling uncertain that he's alive and active in friends the same way he is for me. This is something he's brought back to mind a few times over. Because as I look out and I see people wrestling and struggling in silence and in loneliness and on their own because of the decentralized way that we are right now, it's really hard for me sometimes to be like, man, if only they could have other parts of the community around them. But to remember and have the Spirit reminding me, like, no, I'm just as present with them, speaking to them as I am with you in this moment. I love them far more than you ever could. But there's moments where it's a struggle, right? And I have to bring that up and to admit that's a really good thing. Uh, something that's hit me over this little gap of time that we've had in our normal rhythms has been the number of people that have started following Jesus and then stopped along the way. Like coming into mind again and again have been friends and family members and really, really close people in our family that for a season followed Jesus super close, that found their joy in the gospel, that believed that the spirit of the living God was doing something in them and something in their church only to walk away from that. And like, that was a struggle. Like, God, all right, are you actually really transforming people or is this just like a short-term thing? And to let myself confess, like that's actually something weighing on me. Now he meets me in that and answers some of those things. And some of those are lingering questions I have. But recognizing even as David pens or whoever the psalmist is pens so many of the Psalms, he doesn't always get answers to all them, but sometimes he just lays it out there. Like, God, why does it seem like other people are prospering and I'm struggling so hard and I follow your commands? He's things struggling with raising black kids in our current cultural climate. Uh, that's a real thing. And I think if we're gonna be men and women and children who together learn to grow in trust of God, we have to be able to bring those things that we struggle with him before him and be able to admit them to ourselves. Sometimes that's the hardest thing. Confess that to him. And so I want to give us just two more minutes and you don't have to come out and just be writing the whole time, but think about it. What are some of the things you're struggling with right now? What are some of the things you're wrestling with internally? What are some of the, the doubts that you're feeling, the insecurities, the parts about God that you're wondering, can I really trust you in this moment? To confess that doesn't mean that you're a lesser believer. It means that you're being honest with where you're at in the moment. Um, and again, we follow the psalmist in a lot of these things. So would you just take a moment on that same piece of paper in that same note, uh, jot down, what am I struggling with in this moment? So steps to being able to figure out and wrestle through writing our own psalms, asking the question, what is it that I'm seeing? What am I seeing God do in me? What am I seeing him doing around me? What am I seeing him doing through me? Uh, being able to admit and confess and just wrestle through, like looking and saying in and saying, here's what I'm struggling with. That's really important. Um, that act will bring you closer as you even give of yourself to God who is present with you. And then the last thing that David or the psalmist always does uh, in, in most, almost every single psalm you read is that they state their soul hope. And so that's the way I worded it uh, because soul meaning like that inner part of you that he's already used, that, that life force, what actually gives you life, um, what that hope is that you have. So stating that explicitly. Uh, David does it when he says, bless the Lord. Uh, he's we talked about that last week. Oh, that's, that is a name of God. That means he's the covenant-keeping, steadfast, never-changing, always faithful God who is. And so he's saying, All right, I'm talking to you, God, about these things, but like you are my hope. That question of whatever it is when you look at it that says, if only this is there, then I'm okay. 
And here's why it's helpful to state that because after you've already talked about what you see God doing, but then you're in the middle of what you're struggling about, you're like, oh man, is this really gonna work out? Is this really gonna come and be for my good and God's glory? Like what we look to and hope to get through those things absolutely matters. And this is where it begins to sound silly if we say, all right, where's my ultimate hope? If it's my job, well, we all know how fickle that is. Like clearly that's not gonna be able to carry the weight of my life. Oh, well, maybe if the government just, well, come on now, we don't have to finish that one, right? Maybe if it's my marriage, maybe if it's my kids, uh, maybe if it's this relationship, maybe if it's the house I want finally coming through. Like when we say those things out loud, they sound goofy, don't they? I was having a conversation with uh, one of my kids and um, I was getting frustrated. Believe it or not, it happens, right? I know you guys are much holier than I am, but in parenting, you get frustrated sometimes. And I remember we were having this back and forth and it was like, got to the point where it was escalating, right? And so, uh, and they just asked me like, what do you want? And I was like, oh, I just want you to listen. And as I said it, it was like the spirit was like, yep, that is actually what you want. You don't care at all about that child's heart right now. You don't actually want them loving me. You just want them to zip it and listen to you. And when it came out of my mouth, it was like, oh, that's, just, that, that's not right. Like clearly that's not the right answer. But it wasn't until I said it out loud and heard it And I was like, oh, that's wrong. Actually, what I want is for a heart that wants to obey and was able to to walk it back through in light of the gospel. But it wasn't until I stated it that I realized just how goofy I actually was with it. And sometimes that's needed for us when we're saying, all right, what am I trusting in this moment to actually rescue me? And saying some of the things that we're trusting that we're like, oh, I know that's gonna fail me. Oh, I know that's failed me tons of times in the past. Oh, I know that could never give me ultimate satisfaction. But what will God alone gives joy and satisfaction. And I love how he ends in this psalm. And I'm gonna encourage you as you head home and maybe take a moment and just state down in this season of life, in this day, in this moment, what actually is my soul hope? What is the deepest part of me actually trusting to rescue and bring healing? For David, it's God. And so he pens these words at the end. He says, praise the Lord. Or he says, the Lord has established his throne in heaven. His kingdom rules over all. His universal reign is there. And so I believe he has this moment as well. God reigns over everything. Therefore, I believe he reigns over my life as well. And the overflow at the end of the Psalm for him is absolute praise and wonder and inviting every single thing he can think of to join him in that praise and wonder at who God is. And that is my hope for us, that we'd be people so rooted in God as our sole hope and knowing that he meets us in our struggles that we're able to observe as easily as looking out and seeing cars where God is at work in our life. Yes, it's a struggle. Yes, there's things we're uncertain. Yes, we deal with insecurities. Yes, there's storms waging against us, but our anchor holds sure and steady when it's in Jesus. And that's the invitation of the psalmist. And let me tell you, as we do that work on our own, it's important to read scripture. Don't hear me. There's, there's a lot to read in here and you should absolutely do that. But if we actually wanna to continue to grow in our own relationship, trusting God, it's important for us to have these conversations with God as well. And as we have that conversation with God, these are just some great jumping off points for us. Ask these questions and then talk about them with your friends. Talk about them in your marriage. Talk about them in your DNA group. And watch what the Spirit does with that stuff. 
I think in those moments, you'll find him bringing you joy, even in the midst of confusion. Would you guys pray with me? Jesus, I thank you for meeting us in this space. I thank you for giving us hope. I thank you for your grace that shows us where we drift from you. And so as kids, as women and men who want to to grow in our trust of you, would you continually show us how you are faithful? Uh, Would our hearts and our souls and our minds be filled with wonder at all that you've done, overwhelmed by your grace and filled with a vision of hope for the future because you are king. We love you and we ask this in your name, amen.